it's been a while since I've come to you. It's been about six or eight weeks. Um, tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm heavy with a word from the Lord tonight, and that is the power of God unto salvation. That's the word for us tonight, and we're going to get right into it. Romans chapter 1. If you'd put it up there, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God, the dunamis, to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It says, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God. For it's in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. But I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because the gospel of Christ is the power of God. There's, a, there's something I'm going to start right off in saying is, the word of God has power resident within it to make his own word come to pass. I'm going to say it again. The word of God has within it the power necessary to make God's word come to pass. Why do I say that? Because he watches over his word to perform it. Whenever you grab a hold of the gospel, whenever you grab a hold of the word of God, and you start speaking the word of God to your situation, putting God in remembrance of his word, speaking to your own heart, like the, the psalmist David said, he said, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. What was he doing? He was talking to himself. If you don't ever talk to yourself, you need to look at the psalms and realize it's okay to talk to yourself. He said, hey, soul, self, why are you depressed? Put your hope in God. Right? He said that right in the psalms. So um, you could say it to yourself too. You're feeling down, you're in the mully grubs, you're Lower lip is hanging on the floor. You got to look in the mirror and say, come on, self, you're better than this. Come on, self, why are you so downcast? Don't you know that God's for you, and if God before you, who can be against you? Hey, come on, self, what are we doing here? Stop looking at your circumstances. Start looking at Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Come on, self, let's go. You're better than this. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, self, Right? Why? Because we can, within the word of God, you start speaking the word of God and it's going to come to pass. See, it has resident within itself the power to bring itself to pass because God always watches over his word to perform it. So speak God's word. It says the power of God unto salvation. Now, but the problem is right now, 2 Timothy 3, we're living in these days. In 2 Timothy 3, we're living in these days. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. You know that? All you got to do is look on TV and see that. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. Now, all those bad things, we read all those nasty, nasty, sinful things, right? He's talking in there and he said, boasters, lovers of money, lovers of themselves, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, all those things. We're right in the middle of all that, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. What does that mean? In the middle of all that list of nasty things, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. When, when someone has a morality or a, a position and they take that position and it's on the outside, but it doesn't translate to an inner change of character, that's a form of godliness. It's a, well, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to just, I'm going to do, do some good things. I'm going to, you know, I'll, be, I'll try to be more honest. Or It's religion is what they're talking to, having a form of godliness but denying its power. How do you get to the place where some, someone has a form of godliness but denying the power thereof? When you deny that God is able to do the miraculous today, you're having a form of godliness, but you're denying God's ability and God's power to operate and to really change a life today. Because that's the power of God. The power of God can take someone's life that was so messed up and so jacked up and so sideways and in a matter of a short period of time turn that person around and turn them into a completely different person. That's the power of God. See, but there's many people that don't believe that's possible. Can a leopard change its spots, they say? Neither can a man fix his ways. Well, a man can't fix his ways. However, God can change a heart. And you can be born again. And if you're born again, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a brand new creature without a history. So someone might say, oh, but you don't know all the bad things I've done. How could God change my life? Well, if you become a brand new creature, your history is gone. We just had two little grandbabies in the last couple, two and a half months. I got little Remmer and little Gemma, Remmer Gemma, and a little boy and a little girl. And they're just tiny. They're, you know, Remmer's kind of a brute now. He's kind of big. But the, the, the little girl's just tiny, and, she's, and, and they're little babies. And you think, and would you ever think and say, oh, what a horrible past that little baby has. Would you ever, would anybody ever be so foolish to say, oh, what a horrible past that little two-month-old has. Oh, I don't know how they're ever going to overcome their past. But when you get, when you are born again, when you accept Christ, you become just like a brand new baby. You don't have a past. You're a brand new creature. You've become new. Old things have become new. It says, if anyone be in Christ, if, are you in Christ tonight? 
If you're in Christ, lift your hand, wave it at me. Come on. I'm going to make sure you're awake. If you're in Christ, you're a brand new creature. You're a brand new species of being. You're not even of this world anymore. You've been born from above. You have a brand new spirit made in God's image. You don't even want to sin if you're born again. You know, for my own life, I grew up around the Bible. I grew up in church from the day I was born. We went to church twice on Sunday. We went to catechism. I went to young people's society. I went to Christian school every day of my life. K through 12 Christian school, catechism, and in everything you can imagine. What they made us memorize Bible verses. They had us, I had little, these little cards I'd get in, anybody ever have those cards you had to get in Sunday school? You got cards for memorizing. I had like three Bibles because I memorized so many Bible verses. I mean, you get the little cards and you trade in little cards, you get big cards. It's kind of like Chuck E. Cheese at church, right? But we did it with these little cards, and you trade them in, you get big cards, and you get four big cards, you get a Bible, right? So I had like three Bibles, because I memorized Bible verses. I knew how to work my pay plan. So I was getting these Bibles, you know. And my dad would pay me to memorize Bible verses. He'd give me silver 50-cent pieces back when it was really silver. And uh, I'm old, so it was really silver back then. And uh, he'd give me silver 50-cent piece if I'd memorize a Bible verse. He's a smart guy. And so I just memorized Bible verses all day long and help them. And I'd, I'd hey, give them another one. He'd give me another 50-cent piece. I had Pringles cans full of 50-cent pieces. And uh, all that Bible all around me. And I knew all these Bible verses. I'd memorized whole Psalms, right? But when it came right down to it, I didn't know Jesus. I was around the Bible all that time, but I didn't know Jesus. I knew all about Jesus, but as I grew, I just decided to go my own way because I didn't have a changed nature, and I liked to do wrong things. And I went off and did a, did, led a stupid life for a while. And see, all that Bible, though, but... You can be around the Bible. You can go to Christian school. You can do all these things. Memorize the Bible. Think about it this way. The Pharisees, some of them went to hell with a head full of Bible. That's a, that's a sobering thought. The Pharisees memorized the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And some of them went to hell with a head full of scripture. It's not just being around the Bible. See, there's a, there's the, the power of God can change your life, but in order for your life to be changed, you have to actually accept Christ. And when you accept Christ, your life will change. And the proof that you've accepted Christ is that your life and your want to are changes. Say, well, well, how did somebody tell you? See, because I was doing all kinds of foolish things when I was, you know, but from about 15 on, I was doing all kinds of very foolish things that we won't get into. But I wanted to do all those things, and I liked sinning, and I still went to church. See, I had a form of godliness. 
I know from which I speak. I had a form of godliness. I could answer all the questions. I did confession of faith. I answered all the questions in the catechism. When they asked me, I knew all the answers. I answered them. I confessed my faith in front of the church. But literally, when I left, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not proud of this, but I think I have to tell you. When I left the elders' meeting, after I made my profession of faith to the elders, I went drinking on the way home. A friend picked up a 12-pack, and we drank and drived on the way home from having confession of faith. I had a form of godliness, but I denied its power. So you say, why are you throwing stones at people? I'm telling you my story. And when, when you don't allow the word of God to really get in your heart, if you're just around it, but you don't really partake, and you don't really make Jesus Lord of your life, and you don't let him and really make him Lord of your life, you end up having a form of godliness, but you deny its power to really change your life. So here I was, 18, 19, 20, 21 I'm, I got a form of godliness. I'm going to church, and then I'm doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And then I'm going to church and doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And going to college and doing this and getting good grades. And I'm a model citizen as far as, you know, my parents and everybody's concerned. But then on the side, I'm doing all this stupid stuff, sinful stuff. And I was, I had a form of godliness, but you know what? I didn't know Jesus, and I wasn't saved. Somebody says, well, of course you were saved. You were baptized when you were a baby. Yeah. Next question, I wasn't saved. Bible says that you got to believe and be baptized. I, I didn't believe when I was you know, like a month old. Okay, I was a month old. I didn't know how to believe. I didn't have the cognitive ability to believe. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an example here besides my own life, from, from the world and from, from science. It's kind of an interesting thing. And that is the, the concept of being immune to things. You know, there's, the, the, there's some controversy. There's not controversy about vaccinations. Okay, you can believe in vaccinations or, or think vaccinations aren't good. I'm not here to dispute or debate any of that. I'm just telling you, this is the medical explanation for vaccinations. What they do is they introduce a weakened form of the bacteria or virus into your body. Now, they don't put the full strength virus or you'd get the disease, right? What they do is you, they give you a weakened form. And then your body, it's an antigen, your body produces an immunity to that and then your body remembers, and this is the way God made us, it's awesome, there's, an, there's a memory within your cells, and it says, oh, that's a bad thing, and your body builds an immunity to that particular disease. So you can get a vaccination for measles, and then it, they put in you a weakened form of the measles uh, virus, and then your body doesn't get measles, hopefully, but rather it builds an immunity to measles, and then when you come in contact, if you come in contact with measles, then you aren't going to get measles. It's just a, that's, the, that's the principle behind vaccinations and how they're supposed to work. But you know, what I, what I saw in my own life is that I had been exposed to 
a weakened form of the gospel. Anybody tracking with me? I had been, I'd been exposed to a form of godliness that denied the power thereof, and I had received that weakened form as a kid, and I never really received the power, the person of Jesus. And so throughout my life, I'd have people, they'd witness to me, right? And I'd go, no, I'm good. I go to church. I made confession of faith. I'm good. I go to that church. I went to that school. And then people would go, oh, okay, you're saved. And then the whole time I wasn't saved. So really, I had built up an immunity to the real gospel because I had heard a weakened form of the gospel. Are you tracking with me, people? So when we present the gospel, we have to make sure we present the whole gospel, and that is the life-transforming, world-shaking, hell-dominating, devil-destroying, sickness-eradicating power of God along with Jesus Christ died for the cross on the cross for you because that's what he did for you when he saved you. He didn't just give you a punch card to heaven. He, he took care of everything. It's deliverance. It's peace. It's prosperity. It's, it's, it's everything that you need in your life has been accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It's the power of God. Don't settle for a weak version or an imitation version that doesn't have the power that can change your life. Don't settle for something that can that could just give you a form or a religion, but something that's really going to change your life. Because that's the only place there's joy is when there's change. So from in my story, this I'll get back to the vaccine thing, you know. One of the things that happens in a, in, a, in a community, this is a phenomena that happens, when there's a large community and most of the people have been vaccinated, there's a thing called a herd immunity, which means if you hang around with all the people who've been vaccinated, there's a, uh, like a corporate or a herd kind of immunity which affects even people who haven't been Vaccinated. You get what I'm saying? So there's a possibility, like for me, I was in this culture that was um, just a, a religious culture, not really not all that Christian. It was just religious in the, the, the circles I ran. And it was easy just to go along with everything that was going along and not challenge and not really... Nobody challenged us. Everybody just assumed everybody was saved. I remember in high school, one of my teachers, and I was at a Christian school, one of my teachers came to me and he said, you know, he said, a Christian young man shouldn't be doing the things that you're doing. I know what you're doing, and a Christian young man should not be doing what you're doing. Now, I give him credit. You know what I get? I say bravo to that teacher because he called me out. You know what? I looked at him and I said, one problem, sir. I'm not a Christian. And at that, by that time, I had realized I wasn't. I said, what makes you think I'm a Christian? I like to mess with the people. 
So I just said, what makes you think I'm a Christian? Well, of course you're a Christian. You were baptized. You, you've done this. You've done this. You're a Christian. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, and then, then later on, when people would, would witness to me, I'd say, the, the, the turning point of my life was when I was working out in the gym and a guy named Bob, he, he built up a relationship and I believe God sent him there. And my parents were praying that God would bring people across my path to witness to me. And for a while there, I couldn't go anywhere without people stopping me and talking to me. So it, I'll just do that as an encouragement for you to pray. Uh, if you have someone that you're praying for, pray that God brings people across their path. He answers that prayer. I'm living proof of that. Okay? He answers that prayer and he will bring people across their path and he will, he will dog them with people everywhere they turn because that's what happened to me. So I'm in the gym working out and this guy says, hey, what do you think happens when we die? And I'm like, you're a freak. What are you doing? It's, we're working out here. Don't talk to me about that. And, and he's like, no, seriously, dude, I just want to know. What, what do you think happens? So I told him, well, you know, you either go to heaven or hell. And he goes, okay, so, so you believe in afterlife. And I go, yeah, of course. You know, I believe in afterlife. So he said, you don't believe in like a, like a waiting room or purgatory? I said, no, I don't believe in that. I said, it's heaven or hell, one or the other. He goes, okay, I'm dealing with an with the evangelical trained person. All right. So he, he says, okay, so given that, where do you think you're going if you die? I said, well, I'm going to heaven. He goes, really? Because he knew who I was and he knew my life. And he says, Really? I said, what's that supposed to mean? He goes, just kind of surprises me that you'd say that. I go, what do you mean? He goes, so you think you're a Christian? I said, yeah, I, I was, you know, I went to church. I did this, I did that, I did that. They go, so you think you're going to heaven? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to heaven. And he goes, well, so you're, you're saying you're a Christian? And I said, sure, yeah. In other words, I guess so. And he says this word to me. He goes, then why don't you act like it? I told him to go to hell. <laughs> Sorry if that offends you. I just did. I just told him where he could go. And the funny thing is, is he looked at me and he said, you know what I'm concerned? Is that you're going to hell and you think you're going to heaven. And I want you to think about that. And that haunted me. And I ended up having a whole bunch of other experiences where God was after me. He gave me dreams about me going to hell. And I was like scared out of my mind. I thought I was going crazy because my parents were praying that God would show me the end of the road I was on before it was too late. And I, God was giving me nightmares about going to hell. And I'm like, ah, waking up in the middle of the night thinking I'm going crazy, right? And the point, my point is, I had received a form of godliness in my whole life, but I'd never received Jesus Christ. I did a lot of things that were good. And did the outward eye, I've told you all the stupid things I did, so you, you got a big advantage. Most of the people thought I was a good kid, right? But I really wasn't. Why? Because I was a fallen person. I was not saved. But yet, I hung around with people that were saved. I hung around church. I hung around people that really knew God. A weakened form of the gospel without power can cause a vaccination of sorts or a resistance to the real gospel. Because whenever you bring something to them and you ask them, they say, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Anybody who says, 
yeah, yeah, I'm good, keep pressing them because they're not good. It means that they've been immunized against the real gospel. Because if someone thinks they don't need the gospel, if they think, yeah, leave me alone, I'm good, just, just leave me alone. They need the gospel if that's the case. Because the person tonight, if, the per, if you're sitting there, you go, boy, I bet someone, this person here needs to hear this. When you're resistant to the word of God, chances are you need that word better, worse than what you think you do. See, the, the, the deceptiveness of the form of godliness without power is that you think you're good. If one interacts with many Christians and hears bits and pieces or even memorizes scriptures, but does not experience the power of the gospel, the power of the life-transforming gospel, if you don't experience the power of the gospel, there's a risk of that person considering themselves saved but never really receiving the Savior. And there's a risk of that person going through their whole life and when they stand before God, Jesus saying to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a serious deal. See, well, I prayed the prayer, but did you meet Jesus? Did he change your life? Did you really experience the power of God where, he un where, where your life was changed by the power of God? Or did you receive a weakened form of religious practice that imitates as if it's a gospel. See, I was with a friend of mine. His name was Ranjit. He's from New Delhi, India. He pastors a church. He's, he's, he works with Brother Abraham. He's actually Brother Abraham's son. And he told me, we were having a great discussion on Monday morning, and here he is. He's here from India. And in India, 1.3 billion people in India, he said in, in their area, well over 90%, 98% of the people in his area are Hindu. They're Hindu. He said, you know why they're Hindu? Because it's convenient to be Hindu, because everybody else is, and it's beneficial to be Hindu because everybody else is. He says, now for us, being Christians and being 2% of the population, you don't become a Christian in India because it's convenient or beneficial. You become a Christian in India because you understand and you have received and met the, the, the man, Jesus Christ, and you have received the power of God. There is no nominal Christians in those areas. Why? Because it's very difficult to be a Christian. Now, in West Michigan, the opposite is true. There's a percentage, I don't know what that percentage, I'm not going to guess, because I'll probably be wrong. So I'm just going to say there is a percentage, a pretty large percentage of West Michigan that would profess Christianity. Am I right? There's a church in every corner, right? I'm not saying they're all going to heaven, I'm just saying that many would profess Christianity. So in West Michigan, it is both convenient and beneficial to be a Christian. Would you all agree? There's a good source of business. Hey, I can do business with a brother. There's the, what we call the good old boy network, or some people call the Dutch mafia, right? <laughs> they don't talk like this, but they talk like Dutch people, right? I are one. I can mock them, right? So it's all good. The point is, it's convenient and beneficial in West Michigan 
to be in the Christian club. Whereas it's inconvenient and beneficial to be in the Hindu club when you're in India. If it's just Hindu or if it's just the Christian club, they're both religions. There's no difference. I mean, there's difference in their theology, but there's not difference as far as eternity goes. Until you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, if you're just in the Christian club like I was, you're no different than a Hindu at that point because you haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. See, Jesus Christ, he needs to be Lord of all. He, he is Lord of all. He doesn't take second place in our lives. He's, got, he's Lord of all or not at all, as they say. You know, Jesus said when we were, when, when he was here on the earth, he said, if any man desire, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever, desires, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, too many times we, pref I myself, in my, in my former life 35 years ago, I professed Christ with my mouth, but I denied him with my works. You, you follow and you tracking me? So you basically become a practical atheist at that point. Because a practical atheist... A practical atheist confesses to know Christ, but lives in a way absent from his influence. So you'd be case like, yeah, yeah, I go to church, but on Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, I do whatever I want. It has no bearing on my life. This is, this is church. This is this. You're basically a practical atheist at that point. And I'm, I really would encourage you to, to repent because that is not the, the, the gospel that Jesus preached. Living like you, any way you want, Monday through Friday, lie, cheat, steal, whatever it takes, Monday through Friday, and then come to church on Sunday, you need to get saved at that point, my friend. I'm, I'm your best friend right now. If that's you, if you're, if you're living like that, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life right now because you are like me. You needed to get saved, even if you were in church every Sunday. You could be a deacon, and I'd say, you need to get saved. Okay, because Jesus will impact every area of your life when he becomes Lord of your life. Will you, will you live perfect? No, you won't be perfect. But you know what? When you make a mistake, you'll be quick to repent because the Holy Spirit will convict you and you'll repent and you'll get right with him quickly. There's an 18-inch journey from knowing him to knowing him. There's 18 inches between heaven and hell. There's 18 inches between religion and relationship. 18 inches. See, I said earlier, there were some Pharisees that went to hell with a head full of the Bible, but they never had a heart full of Jesus. They never received the life-transforming power of God to be reborn. Remember when Nicholas came to Jesus in John 3, John 3 Nicol, Nicol, he came at night and he said, what can I do? He says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And being born again is what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is talking about. Being a brand new species of being, if anyone be in Christ, be born again. 
How do, you, how do you become born again? You confess Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart. But when you do that and you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, it's not just a prayer. It's not just this thing you do. Oh, I went down front. Everything's cool. I got my ticket punched for heaven. I'm good. No, it's starting a relationship that takes every day for the rest of your life to walk with him, to let the Holy Spirit talk to you, to be admonished by the Holy Spirit, to be convicted when you do something dumb, to, to be comforted when you need comfort because it's a relationship. Now today, close your eyes because I feel really compelled to just do this and be done. Today, if that's you, if I've told you my story. I had a form of godliness and I knew a lot of scripture and I hung around with Christian people, went to Christian school and went to church and all that. But it wasn't until I made Jesus Lord of my life that my life changed forever. It wasn't until I made him Lord of my life that I was able to walk away from those sins that were always tripping me up. It wasn't until I made him Lord of my life that I was able to be transformed and healed and made whole. So if that's, if that's you, I don't, it didn't matter who you are, where you are, if that's you and you say, that's me, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life right now. And I need to do it right now. I want you to lift your hand for me right now. Just lift it up high. I see your hand, sir. Thank you. I see yours too. I see yours. Lift it up. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. Not just a thing I do on the weekend, but something that transforms my life every day. Friend, I want you to come down here. I want you to come down here, right here. I'm gonna meet you right here. You know what? Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Come here. Come here. 